Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. At this time, at 10, we're supposed to have convention highlights and how to access information you might have missed during the national convention. Um, I was going to give people an opportunity, those that attended the national convention, if they wanted to chime in and share something that they got out of it um, that was most beneficial to them. And I'll kind of start with that because there was a strand that was presented on diabetes and they did a lot of um, sharing and there were several sessions that talked about um, different aspects of it, like about um, taking your medication, eating, exercising, you know, what do you do, newly diagnosed. And I thought that was just mind boggling to me. Um, as a consumer, I'm looking forward to being able to go back and listen to those to that whole strand again. So I really liked the way ACB did that this year. I was able to just log in from one session to the next. Um, good information. I'm able to, you know, educate, advocate for myself because I am a type 2 diagnosed diabetic. Um, I got more information about things that I needed to look into. Um, it was encouraging because it's and then I, I also learned that some of the things that I experienced having to deal with it daily, um, moment by moment, that I wasn't the only one and I wasn't alone. So I thought that was, you know, very powerful. Um, my hats off to that um, consumer group. I, I, I have to find my notes because I cannot remember the exact group that uh, put that whole strand together of, you know, educating. I mean, they had some wonderful speakers so if you did not get a chance to tune in to the convention this year, when those sessions go up and you're able to um, listen to them again and replay, I know they're still doing a lot of editing with that. Um, I do encourage you to uh, check it out on ACB media. Um, uh, I just thought that was most powerful this year. Uh, Erica, the, which the name you're not thinking of is one of our special interest affiliates in ACB called Diabetics in Action. And Thank they did, you. They did put together, you know, probably one of the most comprehensive and certainly one of the most informational tracks. Yes. I, mine was just, I, it, I was just blown away. Because, I mean, things that I heard, that I learned, um, I mean, I've been on this road a long time. I was pre-diabetic for a long time. And then it was like, doctor, you know, you get there and they tell you to do this, to do that. And looking at where a lot of people are struggling who are have no vision and having to do injections and all that other kind of stuff that you have to deal with. I mean, the speakers were just phenomenal. And I mean, it, it was just I, I was just blown away and just felt so good, you know, walking away from that. Um, the other one that I listened to was the mm -hmm. Saturday, I think, before mm -hmm. the convention actually started. And it was with the teachers and teaching during a pandemic. And how I mean, that, that was hit very close to home. Um, I, I learned that I wasn't the only one uh, frustrated with technology and having to do Google Meets. 
I got some really good information, a lot of good support mentally and emotionally behind it. So um, anyone that's out there that's a teacher, you know, that may be listening, that's another track you will really, I mean, want to listen to. So this year's convention provided a lot of good information, a lot of good sessions. The, um, the other ones that were really good were the technology when they talked about the Google uh, accessibility features and then to actually hear people that are in that area working on these things. And, and it was like very, very close, you know, like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I mean, I struggled last year and went home many days with eye strain, headaches. And, and by the end of the school year was just didn't want to look at another screen. And I mean, at the end of the day, and I mean, spending hours on a weekend having to do, you know, do stuff on, you know, technology. Um, But then learning, you know, you just when you're in the throes of it, you don't have time to research. How do you make this accessibility feature work? How do you do that? How do you do this? You're just pushing through. And so um, to finally breathe this summer and hear and then been able to kind of, okay, here we go. We may have to do this again this, you know, school year, considering what we're dealing with in our country, you know, with the spread and schools and all that kind of stuff. And the possibility is there. And so now I feel, you know, a little more, a lot more comfortable um, a lo- with a lot of things with technology, you know, being able to have the resources to reach out to the phone numbers, the email addresses, who do you know, who do you contact? So, um, I still encourage if you have not checked out the convention from this year to get on ACB media and check it out. I'm going to um, allow those that know more than I do about ACB media, um, the convention, if they're able to share, if there's someone here from yesterday that can share with those that are, you know, here today, the counselors that may have not been in our meeting, you know, session yesterday. And that way they can share it with their clients as well. Okay, so Jamaica Miller has her hand raised. I wanted to let everyone know how much I enjoyed the sessions from Library Users of America. Those um, those sessions were some of my were were some of my favorites. So um, so I just thought I would share share that with everybody. So thank you. Jamaica is joining us. I believe it's from Georgia. And yes, so, it, 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 it is from Georgia. So we welcome Heather States. It's, it's exciting to see all the different states that have come to our convention. Yes, so we're so happy to have people outside of uh, our little state affiliate of Arkansas. Um, if I remember correctly from registration, we had uh, Jason from Connecticut. Um, Jamaica is from Georgia. There were others from Michigan, I believe Missouri, Oklahoma, uh, someone from Texas. And, uh, of course, we have our uh, hosts who are scattered. That's one of the most amazing things is our ACB media hosts. They may be working in Illinois, Boston, Massachusetts. They may be scattered across the U.S. Our host right now, Ms. Linda Yaks, is... Um, uh, I believe I mentioned it this morning. I don't know if everyone heard. Uh, Linda is also the Arkansas Council of the Blind uh, membership chair, and she is responsible for doing that tireless task of making sure that we all get certified 
and that the Arkansas Council of the Blind is certified in time with all its members to, to uh, receive its affiliate status every year. So we thank her for that tireless chore. And we're going to talk more about that later this afternoon. Yes, we will. Because you'll be up. <laughs> yes. And this is Teresa, and I wanted to share um, some things I found um, interesting in the convention. Uh, like Jamaica said, I like the library users uh, uh, programs that they had. Those are always interesting, whether I'm attending or listening listening in. There's a there was a um, program that was uh, in conjunction with ACB families and the Multicultural Affairs Committee. And it was about from segregation to integration. And um, it was about uh, uh, African-American students who had at one time been segregated in uh, schools uh, for blind children, but they were for children who were African-American and how when they um, integrated to the uh, to the uh, regular school for the blind, uh, the challenges and the experiences they faced along the way. And I thought that was interesting. There was a woman who had gone to the Kentucky School for the Blind, but then she later moved to Illinois. And how when she uh, was mainstreamed in Chicago public school system, she was kind of in the minority. The school was like a melting pot, and she found that she was in the minority. That was a really good session. I really liked that session, too. I did, too. And then um, there was the described movie. It was called No Man's Land, and that was a very good movie. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know if I'd like it or not, but I, I was glad for the description, and I appreciated that, and I listened, and that was a, a good movie. It was sad in a way, but, but it, I was glad to know that it was um, described, and I could follow along. Okay, hi, this is Rachel Ames from Fayetteville, Arkansas. I I know you couldn't expect me to sit back and listen to this whole thing without putting my two cents in, you know. Uh, I wanted to say, uh, as a person who's been a member for a few decades, that I want to emphasize something that we haven't done here, and that is with the Arkansas Council of the Blind. When you join the Arkansas Council of the Blind, you become a member of something so much bigger than yourself. You become a member uh, at large or of a local chapter. You become a member of the state. You become a member of the national and even international organizations. And back in the times of our early youth in in the United States, we learned real quick that united we stand, divided we fall. And there's been an entirely too much division in what with the with the COVID and everything else in our isolation. So I just wanted to let everyone know, in case you haven't known or you're new, that you are now, as a member of the Council of the Blind, a member that can contribute and enjoy the benefits through so many different levels, and I hope everyone will take advantage. And as one of those old ladies who's technologically challenged, I can sit here in my recliner in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and enjoy a national convention. To me, this is amazing. I I have worked as a sighted guide volunteer for a number of years with Marjorie Beeman, Leroy Johnson, Susie Weatherford, so many people on the national level, local, state, and national level. And it's just a thrill 
to be a part of and to realize and to meet so many wonderful people. So I hope that I am thrilled that more and more people can attend a convention than have ever been able to in the past. And I hope that that will continue because there's so many with uh, technological challenges and can sit and still enjoy and get the information. Because let's face it, the physical convention, it costs $100 a night. Well, that's very modest estimate to attend a national convention for a week to 10 days. And most of us, you know, can't afford to do that. So thank you for making this available. And kids, you're doing a great job. I'm enjoying sitting back and just listening. You're doing a wonderful job. And I want to commend you. I have waited decades to sit back and enjoy a convention and listen to speakers. And it's really nice. Uh, uh, I, I've really enjoyed this, and thank you. And please, everybody who's attending, consider c- keeping it up. If you can attend a local convention, a state convention, or what I would love to see, and Rita and I have talked about this a number of times. We even went to Oklahoma together. I would love to see some of our states get together and put on regional conventions and then Perhaps it wouldn't be so expensive on each organization to put on an annual. Maybe Oklahoma could put on one one year and Arkansas could put on one the next. Who knows? Uh, the, the things are endless boundaries that we can skip right over if we want to, especially in this digital age. So thank you for letting me speak. I appreciate you, all you're all doing for this, and keep up the good work. I'm going to be quiet and go get another Diet Coke. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. I remember the, the conventions, the last two conventions have spoiled me rotten. I don't know if I'll ever go back to an uh, in-person convention with all the, the running around and trying to find rooms and get there on time. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy, you know, some of the, the stuff we had last, you know, year or two of of national conventions when we did go someplace else you know it's you know a lot of big hotels and and trying to get around in them and and trying to find your way and get there on time and and get something out of it when you get there and it's just, you know it, there's a lot to it and it's getting more and more expensive and you know but that's that's just the way of things if you if you want to participate in an in-person convention, that's what you have to do. And I did it for many years. Um, but it's, it's just travel is just getting to be a bigger hassle than it used to be. The convention, um, for me, with one program that I listened to involved a teacher that was here at the Arkansas School for the Blind back when I was in kindergarten. Um, and she made an impression on me, you know, at that young age. Uh, she would come into our room, you know, kindergarten room every once in a while for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, I just remember her being there. I never was in her class, but I remember her being there. Chris Ball was, uh, and she's from Maryland. And she went back there and taught after that year that, that I saw her. Of course, I um, went someplace else the next year and then came back to Arkansas. But uh, <clears throat> that was just, in, it was interesting to hear her perspective on uh, 
teaching here in, in Arkansas. And it's the stories that she told about the kids. And, you know, of course, they could have been kids anywhere. And, you know, it's just, it was fun to hear, to hear her again uh, talk about that era of time and, and teaching down here as, as opposed to in Maryland. And, you know, she was at Maryland School for the Blind. And I think she did some other things, uh, teaching-related jobs since then. Uh, and also uh, the Braille uh, the Braille Revival League program about the e-readers. I don't know about you all, but I am getting tired of Arkansas being one of the last places to get an e-reader or get anything, really. It's, you know, when they test out these, these new things, the new technology, they go to someplace else. They, don't ever, they never come to Arkansas, which, you know, I think we should be included, but that's just me. Um, but I was impressed by the new re- the e-readers and i cannot wait to get one um so one of these days uh we'll come into our own with with those two um let's see i always listen to the showcase and that was good this year as always i like the movie because it it was described and i could follow it and i don't know if i'd want to live that lifestyle that those people lived but you know that's neither here nor there um and i enjoy the banquet speaker Wait, wait, don't tell me. And you know, there was just there was just a lot of things that, and I I enjoyed the voting. That made history this year. The, the yes. remote voting, everybody <laughs> should take advantage of that. It's, you know, they they if only we could do that on the national level. You know, in regular yeah. elections. And it just went like clockwork. It just it was amazing. Oh, but don't leave out the most fun, which was the auction. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> That was Oh my goodness. That was that a party was going to hilarious. I almost fell God. off of my chair what people would do to get something. $2,000. Once I finally Go got to the realization that it wasn't so much as the item or the things but it was more the donation and yeah, the support of she be yeah, once I got to that point, it just really became hilarious then. But it was wow. there were some items. I'm like, oh, I'll put a bid on that. And I mean, they came out the box and I was outbidded. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I was too. <laughs> Me too, Erica. Never mind. <laughs> I wanted to yeah. bid on some checks mix and I had to stop at 105. <laughs> I can't remember what that ended up as being, but I knew I had to stop somewhere. That um, yeah, my, I had it. Uh, I had the auction. Uh, Go ahead. The auction playing on the um, uh, Lady A device out in the living room of uh, our house, and my husband came in, and they people were bidding. I don't remember if it was the bourbon balls or fudge or something. It was up over two, you know, they stopped at the list and they said, are these people crazy? <laughs> I said, no, it's, you know, I said, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're tasty, but I don't know if they're that tasty, but the main point is they're bidding, you know, he says, well, I guess it's just a donation. I said, yeah, it's the, it's the support of ACB and the auction, even in person is also hilarious because you get a little bit of that virtually. Everybody's ribbing one another, teasing and joking. Yeah. And it just shows, you know, what a, what a wonderful dysfunctional family we are sometimes. 
<laughs> yes. I remember when Dan Dillon said, uh, fork it up, Spoon, <laughs> talking to Dan Spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know things, what the item was. One of the things that is for sure is that we know how to have fun. That's yeah. true. That was just great. I mean, that I was thinking, okay, you know, I'll be able to get something after everybody bids on these trips. And wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. Yeah, really. No. <laughs> no trip for me. like food. Food goes, food goes um, most expensive. I don't know if the government would approve, but that's where my economic stimulus money went. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I thought the the brilliant, the the by 14, uh, somebody bid like $2,000. And I was saying to Sandy a few days later, I said, a few hundred dollars more, they could have gotten the 20. They would have had more sales, but they didn't have the 20 there. They had the 14. Yeah, that was that was really good. I mean, it was I mean, it was a good fundraiser. And that's what it was all about. But it, it was just it was a lot of fun just listening. And I was just impressed i'm like wow i'm have to really step it up next year on my savings plan (laughs) yes me too wow yeah for those of you you know it's it gets to be just as much fun probably in some ways even more so in person because then you get someone on one side of the room yelling out a bit and someone on the other side and then they start ribbing each other and then it gets hard to hear because everybody's doubled over in their chair laughing. And then you get more yeah. cat calls and it, the teasing just ripples. It's one reason the auctions tend to last so late into the night is because in addition to the bidding, everybody's just in there having a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was and fun I think to in watch. The, in the in-person auctions, didn't they um, usually have some... Um, refreshment of some sort beforehand so people could um, they did. make yes. it a, a meal um, and a party. Yeah. Um, yep. If nothing else, I think the last few I attended in person, they had, uh, they only had libations available for sale. There was no food at the back of the room. So that probably contributes to the wilder and wilder atmosphere as the <laughs> evening goes on. Yeah. Oh, I think that, in St. Louis, the ACB Cafe was um, open in the evening, so you could get supper beforehand before you went to the auction. Because normally it didn't place. stay open that long. Yeah, if you Wait, could find a right. place. Yeah. Okay, um, guys, it is 1027. I do see James. I always okay. mess that last name up. Kate Kate is Kayton. here. Yes, we are to do a door prize before he comes. So we'll go ahead and take care of that Woo-hoo. before we turn it over to him, okay? So I'm going to, first, I'm going to, all right, we're going to yeah. be drawing for an Old Navy gift card for 25 bucks. Old Navy gift card. And with this one, you can go to Old Navy, uh, can't remember if it was Banana Republic, but there was like three different ones. So if you can't shop in person, you can always shop online. And that's why I chose these different cards. Okay box with our names in it. Shake, shake, shake. Loud shake and All right. We have Miss Margaret Dolly, known to us, Williams. Woo-hoo! All right. Yay, Dolly. Yay, Dolly. All right. Congratulations, Dolly. Old Navy. All right. 
Old Navy has really good face masks. Three ply face mask cloth. <laughs> That's where I bought mine. <laughs> so if you don't know what to shop there, go there for that. All right. That takes care of that. Thank you, okay. Erica. Congratulations, Dolly. Yeah, thank you, Erica, and congratulations, Dolly. All yeah. right. All right. Go ahead, Miss Edwards. Okay. Um, our next speaker, we're gonna go from the oldest to the youngest. <laughs> Um, he is the superintendent of the Arkansas School for the Blind, and he's going to tell us a little bit about how the, the children are being educated these days. So uh, without further ado, it, it, uh, we'll bring you James Caton, Arkansas School for the Blind. Thank you, Sandy. Uh, I hope everyone can hear me uh, well. I uh, sure appreciate the opportunity to uh, join you again and uh, give you some updates about what's going on at the school. I think it's actually been a couple of years uh, since we've been able to do this. So uh, I was excited uh, uh, to be able to get online and, and talk with you a little. I've got a few things on my list, and we'll try to get through them and, and leave some time for any of your comments uh, or questions. But again, thank you for uh, giving me this uh, opportunity uh, of course, uh, we thought we would be starting the school year uh, this year under pretty normal circumstances, but it looks like we're going to be in the shadow of, of COVID-19 once again. Uh, a lot of people don't realize uh, last year uh, we were actually in school uh, all year long uh, because Arkansas was one of the few states uh, that actually started school uh, last fall. And uh, so we were actually one of the very few blind schools in the nation uh, that was actually in session as far as on-campus instruction goes. Uh, And uh, we actually overall, you know, had a really good school year in spite of the the circumstances and the challenges that we faced, uh, you know, with the the pandemic. Uh, Of course, we had to have a lot of safety protocols and restrictions in place. Uh, We had to limit access to the campus and had the students uh, uh, pretty much in their own little groupings and, uh, uh, of course, the mask wearing and and so forth. Um, So all of those things really helped us. And, uh, you know, for the entire school year, sometimes people ask me how many uh, uh, cases and all that we experienced, but we actually had less than um, uh, 10 students and less than uh, 15 staff uh, for the entire year uh, that ever tested positive for the, uh, uh, for the virus. So those are really good numbers uh, uh, when you consider what circumstances we were up against. So we'll be having uh, many of the same protocols and uh, safety procedures in place uh, this year as we start this uh, uh, new school year. Uh, most of our events last year were canceled, but we were able to hold an in-person graduation uh, with limited uh, attendance, mainly the students and uh, uh, a certain number of their family members uh, we had attend. And we graduated six students uh, last year in our graduating class. Uh, this year, uh, we'll be doing face-to-face instruction. Uh, we won't be offering a off-campus virtual option like we did last year. Uh, We'll only do that in cases of uh, when we might have to quarantine uh, individual students or groups of students uh, due to possible exposure uh, to the virus. Uh, But we won't overall have an off-campus virtual uh, option. Uh, 
that's very challenging uh, to carry out successfully. Uh, as you know, uh, we deliver specialized services to our kids, and that's very difficult to do in an online environment, uh, especially when it comes to things like Braille instruction and uh, O&M instruction, as well as other uh, uh, specialized therapies uh, and services that uh, uh, we are obligated to uh, deliver to our schools, uh, to our kids and, and their families. So uh, we'll be doing face-to-face, pretty traditional instruction uh, this coming uh, school year. And so uh, please wish us well uh, as we proceed with that. Uh, We'll be um, starting uh, the school year with uh, 89 students. Five of those are are new students. Uh, Now, we typically get referrals uh, that come in throughout the school year. So we we expect that to... uh, uh, happen again, and and that number will go up for us uh, as we proceed with with the year. But we'll be starting with it, eighty nine students overall. Uh, we were able to have uh, a few summer programs uh, this past summer. We we didn't have our full summer programs, but uh, we did a little camp sunshine for our uh, pre K through first grade students. Uh, we mainly focused on the expanded core uh, curriculum and getting them caught up on, on some of their uh, uh, skills. Uh, we had a modified jumpstart program with uh, the Division of Services uh, for the Blind, and they were here for a week on our campus with a, uh, a group of students. Uh, we also had, uh, and this was something new for us that we did this summer, we had staff go out, actually, and deliver O&M services uh, to our families this summer. So we're hoping to continue that uh, each uh, summer. So that may very well develop into a new uh, uh, program and, and service for us as far as uh, O&M uh, uh, goes. We did have uh, UALR uh, O&M students on campus this summer, uh, as we uh, typically do. Uh, we've partnered with uh, the O&M program at UALR for many, many years. Uh, and Dr. Mc- McAllister, of course, heads that up. And uh, so we were glad to uh, give them the opportunity to be on campus and uh, and learn a little bit more about working uh, with the blind and, and visually impaired. Some of the changes to the structure of the school, uh, we are now a division of the Arkansas Department of Education uh, within state government. And of course, that is due to the transformation of state government. Uh, so... Uh, We're still a state agency and and a school, but as an agency, we're under the uh, larger umbrella of the Department of Education. And of course, you know, there's always growing pains and uh, we're still developing that relationship with them. Uh, But they have uh, have uh, given us a a larger voice within state government, uh, as well as uh, opened up additional uh, resources and, and funding to us. Uh, so I think that's going to continue to develop uh, well um, as we get to know more about each other and, and what our needs are uh, as a school. We are still governed by our, our board of trustees. Another big uh, change in the structure uh, of the school is uh, st- in state government right now, shared services is a really big thing uh, to create more efficiencies 
And so uh, we are sharing uh, some of our services uh, between the school here and, and the school for the deaf, uh, as, which, as you know, sits next door to us as far as our campuses. So right now we're sharing our um, maintenance and uh, custodial services uh, between the two schools, uh, transportation services, uh, our HR uh, business areas are also uh, a shared service uh, between the two schools. And a, a new service that uh, we began this year uh, sharing is we have combined our health services into a combined health services team. And this is going to prove to be very promising uh, for us because it's created us a larger health team uh, that our students uh, will have access to. Uh, we used to only have one nurse uh, during the daytime and uh, one in the evening hours and one overnight. Now we've got several uh, throughout all of those shifts. So it created a much larger team for us um, to deliver uh, better health services uh, for our kids on, on campuses. And we are moving back into the original infirmary building. We finally completed that renovation, and we were so glad to get that done. That's taken us several years to do that. Uh, so we're real excited to move back into that building. Uh, as many of you know, that is uh, uh, really the oldest building on campus uh, because it was built back in 1938 uh, while the uh, uh, Helen Keller Memorial Building, the main building, was being built. Uh, so we were glad to get that renovated, and uh, everybody's excited about uh, moving back in there uh, this year. Some of the new programs uh, that we'll be focusing on in the coming year will be a literacy reading intervention team. And as part of that, uh, uh, the Department of Education uh, helped us add a new position uh, to the school, and that is a dyslexia and reading specialist. So we were very excited to get that position. We've needed it for a long time. Uh, and uh, so we've added that to our staff. Uh, we also have a reading uh, interventionist as well as part of that team. Uh, we're putting a lot of emphasis on literacy and, and reading. Uh, the state assessments uh, uh, from last year still show about 53% of our students are in need of support uh, where reading and, and literacy is concerned. So we have a lot of work to do uh, in that uh, area. And, of course, we realized last year was a very disruptive year in terms of learning. Uh, and so that plays a part in that. Uh, but still, there are challenges that we face and have to uh, have to improve uh, for the outcomes of our kids with literacy. And we think this uh, developing this intervention team is really going to help us uh, work towards those goals. In working with the Department of Education, uh, we're also uh, looking at a proposed computer science program program. Uh, on the campus. And so we're excited about that. Uh, new legislation uh, for next year's ninth grade uh, class, uh, they will have to have a full credit of computer science before they can graduate. Uh, and then the following year, uh, we actually have to have a computer science instructor uh, on staff. Uh, so we'll be developing that program and uh, and opening up the world of computer science uh, uh, to our to our kids. 
some of our goals and uh, focus areas that we'll be uh, working with uh, in the coming year. Uh, we want to remain a, a strong academic school, uh, along with strong emphasis upon the expanded core curriculum and the visual needs of our students. Uh, we are actually one of the few blind schools uh, in the nation that still has a full uh, academic program. Uh, so uh, many uh, schools for the blind, uh, uh, a lot of uh, their focus is on serving kids with multiple uh, disabilities, uh, and uh, they don't have a strong uh, academic programs, but uh, uh, that is one thing we have always tried to keep intact uh, at the School for the Blind here in Arkansas is a strong academic program, and we'll continue uh, to do that. And, of course, I've already mentioned the literacy reading intervention team that we'll be focusing on. Uh, we're also developing uh, professional learning communities amongst our staff uh, to help better uh uh, align uh, curriculum needs and, and the needs of our students across all the different grade levels. Uh, we're also working on becoming a high, reliab- high, high reliability uh, school, and uh, that's actually a certification that we can earn. And that includes areas like uh, working on being a safe, supportive, and collaborative culture, effective teaching uh, in every classroom, Uh, and a guaranteed and viable curriculum that's in line with uh, state standards. There's also uh, a collaboration we're doing uh, with the Department of Education uh, with their strategic plan, and that will include areas in building foundational literacy, especially for our early grades and our younger students, uh, strengthening our pathways for our kids to a fulfilling career and life, uh, we're actually uh, looking at the possibility of a career center uh, and an, an independent living center. Uh, those are some long-term goals, but uh, uh, we've got them on our radar in, in trying to develop those. And also serving the needs of the whole learner. Uh, as we know, uh, the pandemic has uh, impacted a lot of the uh, emotional and, and, and mental needs of our kids And so uh, we'll be placing some emphasis through our counseling and and health departments on social and uh, emotional learning and also equipping our staff and and systems overall to better serve our our kids. Some of the projects we've had going on on campus, uh, we're uh, uh, upgrading our fiber optics. And of course, that always makes you nervous when they go digging in the ground, especially on a campus as old as, uh, as this is. Uh, but so far, we've not had any uh, uh, major uh, mishaps with that, that project. But that will give us a much more robust uh, network and, and Internet uh, service uh, on, on the campus. Many of you will remember the cottage building. Uh, used to be the girls' cottage. I think originally it was uh, the home economics building uh, uh, when it was originally built, uh, but we're in the process of renovating that building. Our birth to three program has always been housed in that building. Uh, Of course, the infirmary was renovated. Uh, We also did a renovation on the east end of uh, our gymnasium, uh, and uh, we hope to get to the west end eventually. And we're also in the process of doing uh, an overall facilities and campus assessment. 
And so that is a real in-depth assessment of our campus and, and facilities. And where we're hoping that's going to lead is uh, to some additional funding for some more major renovations and even possibly some new buildings uh, on down the road. Uh, so we're real excited uh, uh, about that. And just some uh, other uh, things I wanted to mention to you. We've got, uh, we still have our low vision clinic. Uh, that still continues to serve uh, our kids as well as uh, public school kids. Uh, we have that clinic uh, once a week uh, to meet the needs of our kids. And, of course, our birth to three statewide program, that's still in operation and continues to uh, do well in providing services to uh, uh, those kids uh, throughout the state. And we also still have our uh, instructional Resource Center, uh, Braille and uh, large print textbook uh, statewide program that provides uh, large print and Braille books uh, to kids in public schools, as well as kids here on, uh, on campus. Uh, a lot of times I get the question, uh, you know, do we still have a lot of Braille? And, uh, and I say, well, yes, we do. Uh, Braille hasn't gone away. Uh, is still a very big part of our programs and and instruction. Of course, uh, we're exposing our kids, you know, to the digital access as well uh, as we should. Uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, uh, embossed Braille has has gone away. We still use that uh, quite extensively uh, in our instruction uh, on campus. And I think I actually got through everything on my list. Uh, I know that was quite a spill, but it'll leave us a little time. If you have any uh, comments uh, or questions, uh, I would certainly uh, welcome to hear from you. Hi, Mr. Caden. This is Erica Evans. How are you? Hey, Erica. Um, <laughs> so much of what you said is what I'm experiencing <laughs> in the public school. So I'm like, wow, you guys have really had some changes, you know, with becoming under the um, Arkansas Department of Ed. Have your teachers had to do a lot of training um, coming up to the standards or the, you know, dealing with the programs that what they were going to have to deal with, like the science of reading? Yes, the science of reading, of course, and that again plays into our literacy reading intervention uh uh, team. Actually, uh, we started early on that, and actually all of our teachers, at least as of last year, uh, had all completed their uh, requirements for uh, showing proficiency uh, in the state science of, of reading um, requirements. Uh, and there were a few, there were a group of, of teachers that only had to show awareness um, and but anyway, we're uh, caught up with our training uh, as far as what's required for the science of reading initiative. Um, and along that line, uh, two of our uh, principals are actually certified as uh, assessors uh, in the science of reading. Uh, so we've made quite a bit of progress in that particular training. And of course, we'll continue to do that. Uh, as we uh, move forward. But yeah, there's been a lot of uh, training we've had to do along that line, uh, especially for uh, science of reading. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, Good literacy is just huge. I mean, it's, you know, it's a big need in the state, you know, not just here at the school. It's uh, like you said, uh, schools all over the, the state are uh, really struggling with reading uh, uh, scores and, and uh, uh literacy outcomes. So there's a big emphasis put on that. Uh, 
And of course, you know, with uh, adding uh, visual impairments and, and blindness uh, to it uh, creates, you know, additional challenges. Uh, but we're working it right along with everybody else to deliver the best we can for our kids. That's awesome. Were your um, students, I mean, how did you guys feel about having to take ACT Aspire and all that stuff in the spring? I mean, I was being the way teaching went last year. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and that was the same experience across the state. And uh, of course, you know, uh, scores from that have already been uh, received and, and everybody right. experienced a drop in scores. Yes. You know, so it certainly wasn't us. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's uh, that assessment for those that are not familiar with it is the state assessment. And uh, that's for third through eighth grade. And uh, it, and of course, it covers reading and science and math uh, and so forth. And uh, our reading, uh, our reading scores, uh, the last time we took the assessment, I think our, the percentage was like 40, I want to say 45 46% that were in need of support. So it increased to 53%. And that didn't really surprise me uh, with all right. the corrections that, um, uh, that we had. Right. Uh, so we're just hoping that uh, this year will prove to be a little more, less disruptive for us. Um, of course, you know, this new variant, it, it does concern us because uh, yes. it's impacting younger people um, uh, more than the previous uh, original COVID uh, uh, did. So that does have us concerned. Uh, but hopefully, you know, we've got an amazing team of people here. We really do. I, I just couldn't brag on them more. Uh, and they just really pull together and, and make things work uh, uh, for our kids. So we'll, we'll do that again this year. Yes. Good. Good deal. It's good to hear that so much is progressing in it. You guys have had a lot of changes in the past couple of years. That's awesome. Good news. You know, yes. we're just trying to stay up to date and uh, at the same time, you know, continue to uh, implement those uh, things with the expanded core curriculum that are so important to us. So every time we talk about the academic part, we're always talking about the expanded core curriculum part uh, as well, because uh, that is vital uh, for our, for our kids. Right. And I think that um, with you guys, with the technology that you guys will be able to offer the students, I think that's awesome because a, a lot of our, uh, a lot of people that are in our, our uh, area, I mean, you know, so far as being vision impaired, that seemed to be a really good field for them to be, you know, going into. So it's awesome to hear that you guys will be able to, you know, do that. Yeah, and I didn't to go to a, a public school campus and get that credit. It's good to know that you guys will be able to do that there. Yeah. And uh, I didn't mention we still have our East program, you know, which puts a big um, uh, cool. emphasis on technology and the kids using that technology. Uh, so we still have that. I think this is our fourth year uh, with that program. And so that's really helped our kids uh, embrace technology a whole lot more. And I think I don't know who it was that mentioned about, uh, uh, you know, getting access to uh, new uh technology for the blind and visually impaired here in Arkansas. Uh, but we do try our best. Uh, anytime we hear that there's something new that's out there being piloted, whether that's through APH or somewhere else, we try our best uh, to get access to that and, uh, and test it out uh, 
for our kids. So, and, and so that we can always be providing them exposure to the latest thing uh, uh, that's out there. This is Teresa. You were talking about, you know, expanding your uh, core program. Uh, how uh, advanced is your math program for your high school students? We added a new math curriculum this year. Uh, of course, math is a huge uh, struggle uh, for our kids. Yes. And, uh, and so it's just another area right along with reading uh, that we're having to work really, really hard on. But we did add a new uh, uh, curriculum this year that we hope will help with that. Uh, we actually uh, uh, had a teacher return to us uh, that had been in public school uh, for about a year. You know, sometimes they leave us and then they come back, uh, which we're always happy about. Uh, and she'll be doing uh, some math intervention uh, for us as part of her her role. So uh, I know I talk a lot about the reading intervention and all, but uh, right along with that, uh, math, you know, and science, all of those are just, you know, really, really important in, in academics and uh, in kids finding uh, viable uh, career options. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep working at it. That's wonderful. This is Sandy. Um, when I was growing up, I can remember going down those halls with a braille rider hanging off of one hand and a two arm <laughs> loads of books and <laughs> all that stuff. And that, do they still have to do that now, or is, is some things uh, on the, you know a piece of technology that they can just stick in their uh, purse or backpack or whatever and just carry yeah. around with with a lot of things that they used to have big, heavy books for. Yeah, of course, you know, uh, a lot of it's in their backpack now. And uh, but there's still I still see a few kids, uh, you know, with their backpacks just absolutely full, uh, whether that's a a Braille volume or or whatever. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, you know, in some cases it's been reduced to uh, a Braille device, uh, especially for our older kids. Uh, But, no, we, we still you still see kids going around uh, carrying things. Uh, and so our Braille riders haven't gone away. Uh, they're still very much in, in use uh, as, as well. So, uh, so some things, I guess, Sandy, haven't changed <laughs> in, in, in that respect because you can't really improve upon them, you, you know. Uh, Hello. Thank you uh, for presenting to us about the um, School for the Blind. I have um, I have attended uh, uh, schools for the blind prior to uh, coming here to the U.S. when I became mainstreamed, and I was wondering um, what is the ratio at your school as far as the students who live on campus versus the students who live off campus. Yeah, Marissa, uh, we've seen uh, uh, we've actually seen a decline. Uh, in our out-of-town students. I don't know the exact reasons for that. Uh, I think part of it is that uh, there may be more services that are available to them now in their public schools. It could be that uh, parents um, are wanting to uh, keep their child a little closer to home uh, versus uh, being a week away from home in their, their hometowns. Uh, so we have a, it's a very small population now compared to what we used to have uh, residential wise. Uh, 
but we do open our dorms to uh, a lot of our local kids, and that kind of keeps the numbers uh, uh, up for our dormitories. And uh, we do that in special cases where there's special needs uh, that they uh, benefit by being in the dorms. A lot of times uh, it gives them the opportunity to work on uh, some more independent living skills and and social skills, uh, as well as sometimes there's just a, a need for them to to be there uh, versus being uh, in their home. Uh, but yes, it, it, that's changed quite dramatically for us it, compared to what it used to be. Maybe I would say, you know, uh, four or five years ago uh, when we used to have quite a few more uh, out of state students. And I think that's true of many blind schools from what I've heard is that their residential uh, numbers uh, and population uh, are, are not as uh, high in numbers as, as it used to be. Okay, thank you. Yes, and I have heard the same thing in Europe. Um, I have heard that um, a lot of um, like student population at schools for the blind is also declining, and that many, um, not all, but many are um, like leaning towards mainstream, mainstreaming. Yes, um, you know, but I still have found here at at least here at in the Arkansas School for the Blind. Uh, that we still get a lot of referrals to the school. Uh, I mean, we were getting referrals late last year uh, and, and got new students towards the end of the end of the year. And I expect that'll be the same this year. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we we're starting with 89 to begin with, but I do expect that number to increase. We typically have been staying around 95, 96. Uh, sometimes we even get up to 100. You know, it just uh, it just varies, uh, uh, varies for us. So uh, I think when you yes, I think when you look at the trend nationwide, uh, that uh, our numbers are still uh, still pretty good. Well, thank you for answering my question. I, I enjoyed uh, enjoyed your presentation. Well, thank you. This is Teresa. And I know this would never happen. But if it were, uh, what is the. Uh, full capacity what is the maximum amount of students that you can house on campus oh you know teresa uh of course you know i can remember when i started back in 90 uh 95 you know we were running around 150 kids or so i imagine it's somewhere along that line uh you know 150 or or, or so kids um uh, with the way these buildings are uh, are are built I would love to see that again, uh, but I, I'm not sure that we will. Uh, like I said, I, I think uh, public schools have certainly improved their services uh, for kids that are blind and, and, and visually impaired. And uh, I'm all for that. You know, if they can get the services they need in their public schools, great. But I think there'll always be a need uh, for kids uh, to have more specialized services. Uh, one thing I always try to emphasize is that we uh, – uh, no one can do it more consistently, uh, you know, than we can because uh, we're doing Braille every day. We're doing O&M every day. Uh, so we're doing all of those specialized services every day, you know, versus, you know, right. a week or, you know, once a month even. Right. And if they um, live on campus, they have to make their beds every morning before class. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That very little has changed with that as far as independent living skills. So there's a 
They right. still learn to do their laundry and make their beds and uh, all of those uh, uh, typical things. So I have a question. I'm not sure if it's been asked already because I had to get away for a minute. Um, do you have kids that live on campus but are mainstreamed into schools around your area? Linda, we don't yet. Uh, you know, short-term programming is something that uh, we've uh, discussed. And so that may very well play into our future goals down the, the road where we uh, have kids come in, you know, that are mainstream uh, and maybe stay a few weeks uh, to get some more Braille or O&M or, you know, independent living skills. Uh, we do occasionally have kids that uh, will come to us from the public schools in like their uh, junior or senior year uh, just to, uh, you know, develop some of their, their skills before they graduate. So we do have that cases like that. But we haven't established, um, uh, I guess you could say, a formal what you would call a short term uh program. I think Indiana School for the Blind has a short-term program. I believe our Texas School for the Blind has a short-term program. Uh, so that's something uh, I am interested in. And, I'm, more uh, we- fam- I'm more familiar with Colorado, of course, but and this may have changed, but when I was still out there, they were doing a program where the kids from little remote areas that had no mm-hmm. or the public school system in the area just was not going to accommodate their needs. They would come to this Colorado School for the Deaf and Blind. They would live on campus, but they would actually go be bused in the morning to a mainstream school and back to campus in the afternoon. Just like, you know, so they were basically living on campus. I'm sure they were getting some skills and so forth on campus, but they were actually going completely going to a public school off campus as soon as they were able. Huh. Well, yeah, I've not heard of that particular model. So that's still... Uh, giving them instruction in in their public schools, but it's uh, I guess it's giving them access to a public school that has more services. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, of course, I would want that to be you know where uh, they receive where they were receiving the services uh, you know from us as a as a school for the uh, school for the blind. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, Miss Chayton, uh, this is Margaret Johnson from Fayetteville, Arkansas. And uh, I guess I'm a little bit behind the times, maybe, but I would like for you to explain what is the expanded core curriculum. The expanded core curriculum is the curriculum that's specific to blind and visually impaired students. So that's going to include things like your Braille and O&M, but it also includes uh, skills like recreational skills, social skills, um, advocacy, students being able to advocate for themselves. So, I mean, these are really the things that, in general, their sighted peers learn uh, just incidentally. Uh, but that in many cases have to be taught uh, to the blind and and visually impaired. So that's kind of what we mean when we're talking about the expanded core curriculum for blind and visually impaired students. It's very specific to them uh, and their needs versus the academic uh, curriculum. I think when I was coming through there, I think we just kind of – we just thought that, you know, was part of life. I don't think we – (laughs) <laughs> determined anything special about it or anything. Right. Well, you know, they gave it a, I guess they kind of gave it a formal name and, uh, and grouped it all under, under that. Uh, but uh, 
that's still a big part of, of course, uh, of what we what we do here. Thank you. You're welcome. It's good to hear from you. Mr. Kate, and this is Teresa again. And Linda kind of asked a question that uh, prompted a thought in my mind. I remember, and of course, this was way back um, in the state of Maryland. I knew a girl. Uh, she lived in. She went to the Maryland School for the Blind. But the thing, she lived close enough where she could go home every day. But she did take some of her classes in a local public school at one part of the day, and then she would go back and then take some more of her classes on the campus of the Maryland School for the Blind. Do you see any of that happening at the Arkansas School for the Blind? I think on down the road, I do. Um, I mean, I, I think, and, and really, you know, it's probably something that uh, with us under the Department of Education now uh, that they can help us with. Uh, you know, again, going back to what I was saying as, as short-term programming needs of kids in, in, in public schools. Uh, so it is something I'm very interested in. Uh, and that just gives us a, another way of providing services, you know, throughout the state. You know, uh, I know it's not always feasible, you know, for kids to, to come here and, uh, you know, and stay here throughout the week or even come here locally. Uh, but they could come here for short periods of time and, uh, and help us uh, uh, develop, uh, develop their skills. Thank you. You're welcome. Wonderful presentation. Uh, wonderful yeah, uh, updates. Good information. And wishing the best for a good, successful school year. Well, thank you. And uh, I, I wish I could say that, uh, you know, come, come and see us, but we'll probably be pretty <laughs> restrictive starting the school year out. But hopefully things will uh, rapidly in, improve. Uh, and, uh, you know, we welcome your partnership uh, and consider you one of our uh, stakeholders here at the school. And so please let us know if there's anything we can, we can help you with. But thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you for your presentation. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mr. Caton, let us know if there's anything the Arkansas Council can do for you as well. I sure will. Thank you, Rita. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.